Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Third and Central Podcast, the only podcast dedicated solely to the University of Louisville baseball program. This is your host, Matt Sefcovic, joined by Aaron Turner, the King of St. Louis. Aaron, how's it going out your way? I'm doing all right. School's out, weather's heating up. Gotta love it. How are you doing? Good. You know, we got a couple of college baseball games in this week in between the raindrops. Looks like there's more rain coming in towards the end of the week, but got some games in, got the game in against Vandy on Tuesday night. So all we can ask for right now, but other than that, we're going to be having some hard conversations tonight. Yeah, I don't think this is a place that you, myself, many of the fans thought that we would be in as we head into the second to last um, weekend of conference play down in Charlottesville in Virginia. You know, this team, when we recorded last two weeks ago, we were talking about it was a, it was a long shot. It was a stretch. But can this team get back into the hosting race? That's a conversation we had. And there was a legitimate chance. And now here we are a couple of weeks later. We're not even going to make the ACC tournament if it were to end right now. Yeah, what do we make a, of all this? It, it's amazing how quickly things can can fall apart in the world of college baseball and you know, we are not the only program who's going through this. It, just, it sucks. It's happening right now. So after the Vandy loss on Tuesday night, Louisville is 29 and 19. They are 9 and 15 in the ACC. Like I said, that is 13th in the ACC standings. The way the ACC, the tournament works is the 13th and 14th place teams do not participate in the conference tournament. So if the tournament were to end or the regular season were to end today, Louisville would not be participating in the conference tournament. They're 35th in RPI and 19 in strength of schedule, which is kind of their only saving grace right now. I mean, their RPI for everything that's been going on hasn't taken a huge hit. So if, if there's a chance they can sweep back in, which We'll talk about that in here in a little bit. Their RPI is going to be in their favor. Strength of schedule is going to be in their favor. Louisville's 21 and 8 at home. They've struggled on the road. Away from Jim Patterson Stadium, they're 5 and 11, and then 3 and 0 on neutral sites, which all came down in Houston in the Shriners Children's College Classic. It's a mouthful um, to back a couple months ago. So the uh, D1 Baseball and Baseball America released their field of 64. And Louisville was not in either one of them. Um, not too long ago, like I said, Louisville was a host site. And now they're not even in the tournament. Not only did they get bounced from the field in those, they aren't even the first four out. So it's not like they're, they're I mean, they are in the bubble, I guess, but they're not even one of the teams that's right there on the cusp of making it. And they've lost four in a row now after the loss to Vandy, lost seven of the last 10 and 12 of the last 16 and Honestly, this is very reminiscent of the 2021 team, which was a it was a heartbreaking season. But it, it this takes me back to that year, time and time again as I watch this team. I think you're exactly right with the comparison of the 2021, which is very sad to say. I I think one of our first episodes of this season was titled "The Deepest Team Ever." I think that that was a legitimate conversation that we were having at the start of the season. Was this the deepest team that Dan McDonald ever put together? And just like 2021, you that team had Henry Davis, who was the number one overall draft pick that year. You had Alex Benellis, you had you had Lucas Dunn, you had guys like that that were staples of Louisville Cardinal baseball. 
And they kind of did the same thing, just kind of fell apart down the stretch. And unfortunately, it seems like it's once again happening this year. Yeah. And, you know, this just isn't something that we've been used to as Louisville fans. You know, we haven't had to experience this often. 2021, yeah, we did. That happens. It seemed like an anomaly. But, you know, now, just a couple of years later, it seems like here we are again. And down the stretch, we're struggling. And I guess as we transition from that, the, the Clemson series was no different. Kind of walk us through how that went. I mean, that that was just a, a brutal, brutal weekend. Uh, I really, I really didn't write down too many notes here for this one. I don't, we were swept. Um, we lost six, three on Friday, four, three on Saturday and seven to three on Sunday. And be quite honest, it was just a lot of uninspiring baseball. It looks like we're going through the motions and unfortunately that there were guys who were put in circumstances. I don't think that they should have been put in. Brian McCoy was behind the plate all weekend. Um, you know, kind of a victim of circumstance with Jack Payton being out after taking a, a pitch to the head in the midweek against Bellarmine on that previous Tuesday. Uh, so Ryan McCoy is the the last man up behind the plate with Klein and Veerling out for the season. And unfortunately for McCoy, that's not a position where he's very familiar and it, it kind of showed that's not, that's not a knock on him. I don't think that he should have been back there. Uh, and then, Moving on, uh, Louisville once again does not really fare well against Caden Grice. We saw Caden Grice on the mound, and he kind of he played us like he played us a couple years ago, and he hit all those home runs that that one weekend that we were at Clemson back in twenty one. Uh, I think we had many chances to salvage a game, though. There were many times where we got off to a lead. On Sunday, we took the early lead, one nothing in the first inning, and kind of just slipped away from us. There were multiple leads blown. Uh, we didn't really, we didn't really show too much fight in trying to get back in. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that seems to frustrate a lot of fans right now is it's May and we still don't have a set lineup. There are a lot of moving parts every single game. Uh, I, I think that it's you know back in back in February and March it was fun to see all the different lineups that we could piece together and and look at the depth that we had. But now that it's May, it, it's it's become interesting to see how, how the lineup has been worked. And then, uh, you know, on a high note for Clemson, at least, uh, they're continuing to surge at the right time. Uh, new coach at Clemson, Eric Backage, has done an excellent job uh, down the stretch here with his team. I think Clemson's going to be a very dangerous team heading into the postseason. And that's definitely a team to watch for at the ACC. Yeah, and a couple of follow-up things to that. You talk about Eric Backage down at Clemson. It's probably – you know, sweet revenge for him because if you remember, he was at Michigan last year when Louisville beat Michigan in the regional at Jim Patterson Stadium. Everybody remembers the Cam Masterson home run and the the Sean Moth call that went with that. So Louisville, Louisville basically ended their postseason last year, and Eric Backage may have done the same to Louisville this year. You know, with the sweep down there, that could have been the nail in the coffin for Louisville, depending on how they finish the season. So, and, and like you said, the still not having the set lineup, I saw a stat, it's been a couple of weeks and I, and I know it's changed because McCoy's been behind the plate since then. But the stat that I saw at that time, I think Louisville had 32 or 33 different defensive starting linemen this season. And now with McCoy back there, that number's, I don't know, 34, 35 and 36 range somewhere in there to have that many starting defensive linemen that's that's tough you know it, it's it's hard to 
get in a groove and get used to the guys that are going to be playing on the field next to you and you're you're interchanging that much. And like you said, at the beginning of the year, it's fun. You know, we've got all these guys. We think we're going to be deep and we're just trying out different lineups. Who do you want short? Who do you want a second? Who do you want a third? You've got so many interchangeable parts. But at this point in time, having that, you know, that set in stone lineup would be nice. Now we've had a lot of injuries. You've had Keelan out for a little bit. You've had Napchick out for a little bit. You've had Peyton out here and there a few times. But, you know, having that set lineup at this point in the season, I think would really go a long way. Yeah, for sure. So then we took on Vandy Tuesday night in the Battle battle of the Barrel, which in my opinion I think is outside of Kentucky. That's our most exciting game of the year. I just love playing Vandy. Just two good baseball teams, you know, not, not separated too far apart from each other. Really good programs. Um, you know, Tim Corbin, he's won a lot of baseball games down there. Louisville have been lucky. They'd won the last two Battle of the Barrels and looked like they were going to take the third one. Uh, went up early 2-0. Vandy fought back, then we went up 4-2. Vandy fought back a little bit, up, then we went up 7-4. Um, Vandy just, I mean, every punch that we delivered, they've responded. Um, the Vandy took an 8-7 lead, and then uh, the card scored and run the bottom of the ninth to tie it and force extra innings. In extras, we had plenty of opportunities to win the game. In the 11th, Jack Payton was up to bat with two outs. Napchik was on second. Uh, Peyton struck out. Um, it happens. I mean, he's human. He's our best hitter, but it happens sometimes. Um, but it's a tough day. It was, I mean, it was a true staff day. We went 12 innings. We used 12 pitchers. <laughs> it doesn't get um, any more staff day than that. But that's not ideal when you don't know you're going to go 12 innings, obviously, when the game starts, or you may, you know, stretch those guys out another inning or two. Because once you get through 12 pitchers, you look down the bullpen and <laughs> there's not much left down there. So Cameron Robinson, I think, actually took the loss, um, but th- threw a good, uh, came in the 11th inning in a bad situation, got out of that, but then gave up a couple runs in the 12th. Um, that, that's just a good college baseball game between two good teams. I mean, Vandy is a, that's a damn good baseball team. They're ranked fifth in the country. Probably they're going to be a top eight national seed unless something crazy happens over the next couple of weeks for them. But Louisville made four errors. When you make four errors against the number five team, you give up four unearned runs, you're not going to win the baseball game. I mean, it, it's simple math. That's just how it works. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It was it was a great college baseball game. And I, I, that was one of the more exciting games to me in, in quite a while for, for Louisville baseball. And I was out of my seat multiple times and jumped up on Isaac Humphrey's game tying hit in the ninth. And I think I – about jumped out of my seat and scared my dog when uh, JT Benson launched that foul ball on the in extras. I thought we had we won it there, but you're exactly right. I, I think that it was a great college baseball game, and I think that if Louisville plays like we played against Vandy against Clemson, or you know, go back a few more series, I think we were were able to take some of those games. I think we've kind of gotten away from Louisville baseball. I think. You and I have talked about this all the time, just just moving the baseball as something that it looks like we've kind of gotten away from. And against Vandy, I, I think we did a pretty good job of that. That's just the number five team in the country doing doing what they do best, and, and they never went away. So kudos to Vandy on a well-played game. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, last night was just a – it was just a good college baseball game, and, and it was a fun game. Even though we got beat, we went to 12 innings, it was a fun game. There was a lot of exciting plays. 
the, the play that JT Benson made early in the game, the catch he made at the wall, and actually made the number nine in Sports Center top 10. If you didn't um, catch that, go back and take a look at it. And speaking of JT Benson, I think he is going to be an absolute steal in the draft this year, wherever yeah. he goes. He's, he's hitting the ball well defensively. He's just electric in the outfield. But that's a, that's another conversation for another podcast after the season. But it was just a just a solid baseball game between two good teams. And it was just – that was the Louisville baseball that we've all learned to love over the years. They just – they were having fun. It was exciting. They were stealing bases. They were putting the ball in play. Just – and like you said, if, you know, if we, if we played like that against some of the ACC opponents that we struggled against, I, I think we'd be having a bit of a different conversation right now. Yes, for sure. Let's uh, let's bring that into this weekend against Virginia. And, and that's a good segue into this weekend. Um, head down to Charlottesville, take on Virginia for three games, um, three of our last six in conference play. Virginia is 37 and 11 this year. They are 13 and 11 in ACC. Problem with them is you're getting them in Charlottesville where they are 28 and four. They've been tough to beat at home. But they're five and five in their last 10, and they're two and seven in their last three ACC series. So they're struggling right now. But their RPI is 13. So these are three big games for Louisville, three big opportunities for them to build their resume. I think the most exciting thing about going down to Virginia right now is this is the first time in a long time that Louisville has played an ACC opponent that's not at their best. <laughs> we got Duke a couple of weeks ago, and Duke hadn't hadn't been great until around the Louisville series. And now Duke is going to be a host. They've, they've won on a hot streak. Same thing with Clemson. Clemson struggled early on. And now here they are beating everybody to sleep. And they're probably going to host. So we finally got Virginia, who's potentially still going to host. But they are, they're not playing their best ball. So I think as a Louisville fan and just looking at the schedule, it's going to be – it's good to play somebody that's not at their peak of the season. Yes, I think uh, I think these next two series that, that we had to, to close out the, the regular season schedule are pretty interesting series for all Louisville fans. I think that we with Virginia, when you even look outside of baseball and, and go to basketball and football and all the other sports, Virginia is a, a pretty interesting opponent for a lot of Louisville fans. I think there's a lot of bitterness there towards the – towards the Cavaliers. So it's going to be a fun weekend in Charlottesville. And then uh, I'll let you touch on Florida state here a little bit in our previous issues with them. Yeah. So Florida state is man. Um, they're struggling. Link Jarrett left Notre Dame to go down there to his alma mater. And they're 19 and 28 this year. They're six and 18 in conference, 15 and 11 at home, but they come up to Jim Patterson stadium. So they'll be on the road and they are four and 16 away from Tallahassee. So they've, they've struggled everywhere they've played. They're six and four in their last 10 in the only ACC series that they have won this season is against Pitt. So those are three games that, you know, the beginning of the season you circle as that's going to be an exciting series. You know, Florida State, they've always got a good team, new coach in his first year. But now you circle that series as a Louisville fan you have to sweep them, period. And, and the end of discussion. Like, if there's going to be any postseason baseball, and we'll, we'll break this down a little bit more here in a few minutes, but if there's going to be any postseason baseball for Louisville, 
you have to sweep this Florida State team. Yes. I uh, I want to just thank goodness that they're on the road because – or sorry, that we are hosting Florida State because regardless of that Florida State record, every year we make that trip to Tallahassee. It's just a brutal trip. That, that Florida State Seminole team just has our number. Yeah, that's been touch, tough to watch over the years, and and you're 100% spot on with it, too. We just struggle down there. I don't know why. But Florida State, they just cannot get, like, over this post-Mike Martin senior hump. You know, his son took over for a couple of years, and that was a, a train wreck. And they got rid of him. Now Lincoln Jarrett, who they thought was, you know, going to come in and, you know, save the program because of what he did at Notre Dame. And, man, he is – it's his first year, so I think he'll get it together. He's a heck of a coach. But, I mean, it's just been another train wreck down there in Tallahassee this year. I mean, they, they can't beat anybody. It's uh, going to be a very active offseason for for, uh, for Florida State. But um, let's go ahead and dive into some Twitter questions. Put out put out a question earlier on the podcast account. Um, you know, just throw out any questions that you have for us and – think pretty much everybody came to the same question what do they need to do to make the tournament that's that's what everybody thinks about uh so let's dive into that a little bit so i i believe the last podcast we talked about the, that magical number acc wins you're looking at 15 currently with nine wins 15 is technically possible if we go into if we go into charlottesville and, and sweep them and then host florida state sweep them you hit 15 and you're feeling a lot better at the end of the season than we we are right now. And the likelihood that that happens, especially against this Virginia team, slim to none. Uh, so basically, it's going to start with we need enough ACC wins these last two weekends to work our way back into the conference tournament. Because once conference tournament play starts, anything can happen. Throw out the records, throw out even our past record in conference tournament. I think that anything can happen. We make a run there. I think that we can find our way back into this. So here's some interesting numbers for you. Since Louisville joined the ACC, teams that have won 12 games or less in conference have never made the tournament, ever. Teams that have won 13 games in conference, that's happened 11 times. Three of those 11 made the tournament. 14 conference wins, it's happened six times. And twice those teams have made the tournament. And then you get to 15. So if you get to 500, eight of eight, that's happened eight times, all eight made the tournament. And twice um, teams have won 16 games and did not make the tournament. So there's six of eight if you win 16, um, if you win 16 games. So, you know, it, it's possible at 13 or 14. And Louisville's RPI is going to be solid, but. I mean, you're, you're really living life on edge there. Um, but, it, I mean, it, it can happen. And I don't think it's it's realistic for Louisville to sweep these last two series because you're going down to Virginia. But if, if, if somehow you can sweep Florida State and get two from Virginia, I think you're, you know, you're sitting at what your 14 wins then. I mean, there, there's a possibility if you can get to the ACC tournament and win a couple games that – you know, you're going to hear your name called on selections, uh, selection Monday with 14 conference wins. Yeah, I, I think I, in that 14 conference win scenario, I think that we're going to need to make it to bracket play. 
Yeah, I agree. ACC conference tournament, you can't. Well, even if we get to 15, I don't think we get bounced in pool play. No, I think if you win 15, I think you still need to win. You need to go one and one in the tournament as well. You can't you can't go down to North Carolina and lose both games. That can't happen. So I think if you get to 15 wins, you uh, still got to win a game when you get there. I agree with that. And good segue to the next question here. How do we get where we are? You know, uh, that's a that's a pretty loaded question. You know, you can start with the injuries. We've had a number of guys out. We don't we really don't have a true backup catcher right now, uh, which has put Ryan McCoy in a pretty unfortunate situation. Puts a little bit heavier workload on Jack Payton when he's healthy and he is right now. Um, you know, outside of that, I I think. I think there's a lot of inconsistency. I, I think when you look at this lineup, one through nine, there's at the beginning of the season, we were talking about deepest team ever. We were looking at a lot of returning guys who had really good seasons last year that unfortunately just haven't not only been what they were last year, but kind of took a step back from where they were last year. Um, I, I think that to get in the situation that we are in right now, I think we needed a lot of guys to, to not step up and unfortunately, I th- I think that we've had that situation. Yeah, and I I want to touch on something you talked about with McCoy and Peyton. I'm curious to see how this is handled this weekend. You know, last last weekend against Clemson, the only catcher on the roster, well, the only person that could play behind the plate was Ryan McCoy, and he caught all three games. Fast forward to this weekend. With Virginia, I'm curious to see how they're going to handle that with Peyton. Are they going to put Peyton behind the plate all three games, or is Dan going to decide to play him you know, behind the plate twice, DH him, and then put McCoy back there? I don't know, but I think that's going to be a big part of the success that we see the rest of the year, depending on who's behind the plate. And I, a couple of other things I want to talk about, and Aaron, I proposed this question to you a couple of days ago, and I've asked a couple of other people as well. And I'm not going to share your answer directly because I don't want to call you out like that. But if if somebody would ask me, I would have probably said the same thing that you said. The question I asked was, where does this team rank in the country in team ERA? And I've asked multiple people this question and I got, you know, 100 to 150, 2 to 250, nothing below 100 in any answer that I've got from anyone. And the answer is they're 17th which absolutely blew my mind when I saw it. I was fortunate that I was looking up the stats, so I I didn't, no one quizzed me on it. But they're 17th in the country with a 4.06 ERA. They've allowed 37 unearned runs this year, which I know Roger Williams has taken a lot of heat this season. You know, a lot of people have talked about, you know, decision-making and giving up a lot of runs and not throwing strikes and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. If you get on Twitter, you can you can make it say whatever you want to. And it has said that. But when you see that number, that we're the 17th best pitching staff in the country based on the ERA, I think it really changes my perspective and outlook on that. What, what do you take away from that? Am I, am I looking into the numbers too much? Or where do you? I think you're pretty spot on. I, I think that a team ERA of 4.06 good for 17th in the country that's 
you're right. It, it blew my mind. I don't even, I don't even know what else to add on to that. It blew my mind. And I, it definitely did make me change some of my, my opinions that I had on this season. Um, I, I think it's pretty, it's pretty easy to blame the pitching right now. And there, there are, there have been some pretty bad moments, but when you take a step back and see a set or see a stat like that, it's kind of a game changer. It completely changed my outlook on just the pitching staff as a whole, because I was, you know, watching the games, you kind of see that at times, like I said, they can't throw strikes and can't get the ball over the plate. And they're, you know, somebody's getting pulled before they get it out because they, they threw six straight balls and Dane comes and gets them. He got all over Will Coger last night in the game against Vandy. We're just not being able to throw strikes. We've seen that happen, not just with Will, but other players throughout the year too. But when you see that they're the 17th best staff in the country and the you know most important pitching stat that there is, I think the blame has to start to look somewhere else. So I started diving into a couple other numbers. Scoring offense this year, they're 103rd in the country. Batting average, they're 114th in the country. Fielding percentage, they're 156th in the country. So I think when you start looking at the whole picture, I don't think it's as much as the pitching staff as it is some of the other things that this coaching staff takes a lot of pride in. You know, when when you've got a Dan McDonald defense that is 156 in the country in fielding, when they wear tour to defense shirts around the country when they travel on the road, I think that says a lot. You know, they made 52 errors this year. That is a boatload of errors with a 969 fielding percentage. You're, you're not going to make the tournament with numbers like that. Yeah, you're exactly right, plain and simple. You're not going to make the tournament with numbers like that. And like one of the things that I attribute to that number right there is just the inconsistency in where the guys have been playing. Guys have been all over the field. Everybody's played a little bit everywhere. It's very hard to get comfortable in a position. And I guess the, the point that we why we bring all this up is is not to beat anybody down, but it's almost to say, hey, pitching's better than what we've given them credit for, I think. I mean, I, I think that's the when you really look into these numbers, I think that answers the question, which one of the questions we got on Twitter was, are the pitchers just not getting it done? But I I think the answer is they are getting it done. You know, last year the ER team ERA was over five, so they've and we all know. You know, that team made it to Super Regional, but my gosh, they just had to, they had to outscore everybody because the staff, it just seems like they just gave up home run after home run. But, I mean, we've improved by more than one run from last year to this year. So I, I don't, I just don't think, I think the pitching staff needs to be lifted up because they've improved quite a bit year over year. So that takes us into, one of our next questions that we received, we're just going to go through these in order. And this was, who is playing in the Cape this summer and any other summer ball assignments? Aaron, I'll go ahead and hop in and take this one. This is something we'll dive into quite a bit whenever the season gets wrapped up. But since it was addressed, I'll go ahead and answer it. We've, we've got a couple summer ball assignments. It's still a little early and the other leagues under the Cape, they typically don't get their assignments until the Cape gets because they get the creme de la creme. They get the best of the best. So 
the smaller leagues will get filled up a little bit after that. But right now in the Cape, and this was as of, I think, last week. I haven't looked at the roster since then. But Tucker Biven, Eddie King Jr., Patrick Forbes, Carson Liggett, and Trevor Ambergy are going to be going to the Cape this year. In the Northwoods League, we have five guys that have committed up there. Will Veerling, Corbin Dickerson, Blaine Schmidt, Brandon Anderson, and Michael Lippy. So those are the 10 or 11 that we have so far. I don't want, like I said, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this just because we'll talk about this quite a bit when the season's over. But the biggest thing that sticks out to me so far is Brandon Anderson. I really wish we could get him in the Cape. I, I think he's worthy of playing up there. And I think it would do him a lot of good to spend a summer up in the Cape Cod. And I think he'd grow a lot more. And I, I think that's hopefully that's where he ends up. When these rosters come out, this isn't set in stone. This stuff, they move around. So hopefully BA ends up in the Cape because I think it would do him a lot of good. I definitely agree with that one. So another question we had was, who is draft eligible, who leaves, and who might stay? Another question that will probably be answered in that same podcast when we kind of do an end of the year and wrap things up and talk about summer next year. But, Aaron, you're the big draft guy here. This is your expertise. So I'll flip this one over to you. All right. I'll just, uh, like you said, we'll touch on this a lot come the end of the season. But draft work for me starts as uh, as soon as the last draft ends. I've been excited about this draft. Uh, so it looks like our top guy right now is going to be Christian Napchik. You can probably find him late second, early third round. Uh, Jack Payton's probably going to be around the same. He's ranked a little bit lower than what I think he should be. I think you got a third or fourth round pick right there. Uh, as far as the other guys go, you probably have another six or seven guys who make a case of being drafted and a few, a few of them to be drafted high. Like you mentioned earlier, JT Benson is going to be a steal of a draft this year. I, I really do think that whoever grabs him, probably going to grab him in the seventh or eighth round and they're going to get an absolute beast of a, of a player. But um, that's all I, that's all I can say right now. I, I think there's, there's definitely a lot of moving parts still as we get really close to the draft about two months away. I'm uh, very excited. I'm really excited to talk about it and, uh, in an upcoming episode. Yeah, I'll let you nerd out when we get to that point. I'll just I'll just be quiet and listen to you talk when we get there. <laughs> um, another question we had kind of follow up to that is potential candidates to fill open spots next year. Again, that's that's one we'll have to touch on later. And and honestly, that's probably not one that we will even be able to discuss when as soon as the season's over, because this new thing in college sports called the transfer portal. It, it, it's just going to, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of moving parts. Who's transferring out? Are we going to use the transfer portal to have somebody transfer in? That's yet to be seen. So it, it, it's tough to tell at this point in time who, who the candidates are. I mean, the, yes, there's some guys on the, on the roster, younger guys that haven't had a chance, you know, come to mind Corbin Dickerson, you know, he's a guy that's probably going to step in and take a spot next year somewhere on the field. So there, there, there's some younger guys that are definitely going to uh, fill in some of the spots with the, where the guys get drafted this year. But until we really see who who does get drafted, who signs, and who's coming back, then we'll have a better feel on that. So we'll, we'll dive into that more a little bit later. So the other questions I think we discussed during the podcast about – 
how many games we need to win to get to the tournament and things like that. We we had a few of those. So appreciate the questions. We just started doing this in the last episode, and we've had quite a few come through the couple times we've asked for them. So appreciate that and keep those coming for the future episodes. And before we jump into Aaron's favorite part of our podcast is Pro Ball Update. One thing I do want to just briefly touch on is the situation down at Alabama. For those of you that have not kept up with that, Alabama's head baseball coach, Brad Bohannon, was fired very abruptly a couple of weeks ago for placing a large bet against his team when he pulled his starter. He made a bet right before the game began, and then he pulled a starter. He was on the phone with somebody that was in Cincinnati, and they made the bet. He changed his lineup. The rest is history. Um, we all know there's not a whole lot of betting that takes place in college baseball. And when this large bet came through, I guess the, the red braced some red flags. They looked into it and realized it was him, and he was quickly canned. For those of you who don't know, Bohanna was a longtime assistant at UK. Um, he left UK, went to Auburn as an assistant down there for, I think, just a year or two, and then took the head coaching job at Alabama. So he maybe he's been doing this since he was at UK, and maybe they need to start investigating the Wildcats. I don't know. I'm, I'm not here to not here to say that. I, I, good chance. So they may want to look into them while they're at it. But the reason I bring this up is Kendall Rogers, D1 Baseball, posted an article shortly after Bohannon was fired of possible replacements for him at Alabama and yours truly, Dan McDonald, showed up on that list. I think there was seven or eight coaches. He's added to it and deleted to it. I think it sits somewhere around seven or eight now. And McDonald was on there. Now, if, if that were to happen, they would have to find some extra cash, which they've got, because I think Bohannon's making – around 500,000 before he got fired. And Dan is at one, 1.2, 1.25, something like that, somewhere in that ballpark. So they would have to, you know, more than double their head baseball coach's salary, which is fine. They've got plenty of money down there in Alabama, but I guess just something to keep an eye on. Alabama's not a better baseball program than Louisville right now, but they're in the SEC and that's, you know, that's sexy. That's where the best college baseball is played. So what, what do you think about that? I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on, do you see Dan going to Alabama? Is that a, is that a real possibility? I think, I think it could be a possibility. Like you said, SEC, very sexy. Um, also, there's going to be other SEC jobs that I think are going to open up. Uh, you know, I think – Honestly, I think he'd be a pretty good – if he were looking to leave Louisville, I think he'd be a good fit at Mississippi State if – or in the event that Lamonis gets fired, which is very much on the hot seat. The only issue is, does Dan do that to Lamonis? Yeah, I would say probably not, but I would not rule it out. Yeah, I think you're spot on because I, I don't know what Mississippi State, their thoughts are. You know, they won the national championship two years ago. But since then, they've been they've been bad, really bad. So I don't know where they they stand with that. But Mississippi State baseball down there is like basketball to us. You know, that's that's their bread and butter. That's what they do. They get you know, 10, 12, 14,000 fans in their stadium. So they love that stuff. They eat it up and they're not going to put up with somebody missing the tournament. 
a couple of years in a row, even if you do win a national championship down there. So I think that's another another one to keep an eye on. But don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. Right now, it's all speculative, speculative from Kendall Rogers. But just to keep everybody in the loop on what's going on there. So, Aaron, I will let you go ahead and take this thing over for your pro ball update. All right. I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. I'm just going to highlight a few guys here. Uh, Tyler Fitzgerald, he received a promotion from double A AA to triple A. He's now out in Sacramento with the in the Giants organization. They think we're looking at a guy looking at a guy that's knocking on the big league door right now. I think Tyler is very close. They seem to be very high on him. They're they've got him batting in the three hole in Sacramento. And so far he's thriving in triple A. I, I think that we're looking at a guy who could be a July or August promotion to San Francisco. We have Dalton Rushing, who is absolutely just killing the ball right now. He had two home runs today, follow up, and he had a home run yesterday as well. So he's got three home runs in the last two games. And I think this is something that I texted you about last night. And just the, we are, I think we are the new catcher you between Will Smith, Dalton Rushing, and Henry Davis. In the last two days, they've all hit a combined seven home runs. Uh, so it's been incredibly fun to watch that trio of catchers work this year. I think Will Smith is going to be an all-star. But going back to Henry Davis, I think we're looking at a guy who very well could see a big league call up in the next two weeks. He is killing it out in Altoona, double-A. Pirates are known to call up their best prospects right from double-A to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is in desperate need of a catcher right now. Austin Hedges is hitting just about buck forty on the season. Henry Davis hitting about 320 in Altoona. He's got eight home runs already. I think it's only a matter of time before Henry Davis comes up. Rumors are definitely swirling. Been a lot of people who have talked about it. A lot of people who have inside information have talked about it. This is be, be ready to see Henry Davis in Pittsburgh because it's going to happen soon. Something that's super exciting. You know, that you texted me yesterday. You said between Will Smith, Henry Davis, Dalton Rushing and Jack Payton, Louisville catchers, hit five home runs yesterday, which is really cool. And like you said, about talking about catcher you, I mean, we can go ahead and put that stamp out front because that's that's who we are. And I don't think anyone else can take that from us. Yeah, I, you know, just to add on to that, I think uh, Georgia Tech used to call themselves catcher you, and one of our previous catchers is now the coach of catchers at said catcher you. So – <laughs> I, I think I think we are the new catcher. You, I think we've got a pretty good hold on that phrase. Yeah, I think we've had a pretty good stretch come through third and central over the past couple of years. And looking down the pipeline, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Yes. Well, Aaron, I know these are not the conversations you and I wanted to have heading into the end of the ACC play, but we've had a lot of people asking a lot of questions, so we definitely wanted to address those. So. Hopefully things get better. Hopefully we can go on a little winning streak here to end the season, go on a little run in the ACC tournament, and we can make it to postseason. Because you saw Ole Miss last year. All you need to do is hear your name called. They were one of the last teams that made the tournament last year, and they won the national championship. Am I saying if Louisville gets in, are they going to win the national championship? No. Don't quote me saying that. But – all, all you have to – I mean, you've got to have a chance to do that. I mean, and if you don't if you don't win the games and if you don't hear your name called, 
that's out of the realm of possibility. So all they, I mean, if if they get a chance, I think this team has the pitchers. I think this team has the hitters. They just have to get on the same page, um, and and hopefully that happens before it's too late. Yes, I I, yeah, I think you're spot on. All we need to hear, or all that we need to happen, is hear our name called. You know, yes. selection Monday in a couple of weeks. I'll just all we need to see is Louisville on that screen, and then after then we're playing with house money from there. A lot of things have to happen between now and then, but we definitely are still in a position to hear our name called. Just it's simple. Just got to win baseball games. That's, I mean, that's what it comes down to. I know it, it sounds it sounds super basic, but you got to go out there. You got to throw strikes. Got to hit the baseball. Move the baseball around the field. See what happens. Virginia's struggling right now. Florida State struggled all year. It can happen. Just got to go out there and play the game between the lines. Well, we will be back after the Virginia series. We're going to put a couple more episodes out before now and the end of the year. We are in crunch time, and hopefully we can lift these guys into the postseason. So we'll be back next week. But until then, Aaron, I know you've got us up to date on all your Twitter accounts, catching everybody up on Cards and the Pros and on State of Louisville. So tell us where they can find your work. Well, you can find me on Twitter at AJTurn22, or you can follow the alumni account at Louisville Baseball Alumni Report, and you can find my written work on the state of Louisville. And you can find me on Card Chronicle or on Twitter at Matt Sefcovic. Like I said, keep those questions coming. We love this you know, kind of segment. We get to answer questions you all may have, the DMs we've got from it. We appreciate that. So just keep it up. And in the words of Sean Moth, we can just say this a couple more times this year. We will see you at the ballpark.